Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do Copy podcast. My name is Lauren. And my name is Emily, and in this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things. So... I had a bit of a song. Oh, what was that? I said you had a bit of a song then. Did I? Oh, I mean, (laughs) you know, we're we're 25 episodes in, we might as well make it fancy. Okay, so... (laughs) Um, today is a bit of a wild one. Um, so we've been posting on Tumblr a lot recently, actually, yes. and one of the asks we got asked. Um, so one of the questions we got asked was, "What is the most outlandish theory you have heard?" And so me, me, me decided absolutely to implicate myself um, in this <laughs> um, because somewhere circa. 2018 I believe I'm still scrolling to find my original post but there we go um I came up with this theory um about Mike Wheeler not being exactly you know not exactly what we see at face value um so we're going to talk about that today um so enjoy it's yeah (laughs) it's quite the theory (laughs) It is, it is. Before we get into the theory, remember that you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Stitcher at Hawkins Do You Copy and also on our social medias, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook which is Hawkins Podcast and also YouTube which is Hawkins Do You Copy and Tumblr which is HawkinsDoYouCopy.tumblr.com It's a bit of a mouthful That's the first time I did it and I did it all! (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's you, you get used to it. It's you know, it's a weird routine. I think we forget like how much, how much goes into just saying all those things. It's a stress. Congratulations. Yes. I'm I'm glad well you. It's, it's nine o'clock at night as well, and I remembered that. So like, I mean, well done. You even did where we actually are in the same order. I did. Yeah, I you did. did. I listen. Yeah. I listen. You, you listen. There we go. So, <laughs> this theory is I'm going to coin. The Dark Mike theory. Um, simply because it, 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 it's a Dark Mike theory, I think. Yeah. I, I wish I had a, a better name than no, that. That's, but... that's... I think that fits. I think that fits. And it's definitely different. Like, it definitely is like a darker... <laughs> you could be nicer. No, but like, no, but like a, a darker Mike theory. No, but like, in a good way. I remember when you first told me about this, and I was like, this makes perfect sense. And he mm. is, it is a dark Mike theory, which is different to the Mike that we know. So, mm. I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it kind of flips everything we kind of know about Mike on its head. So, I should say that when this was written, it was very much pre-season three. I don't think we really had any set photos. No. At the point. No, not at all. So a lot of this, we had nothing to speculate on. It was purely middle of hiatus, me very bored, (laughs) sitting there and getting a bit ahead of myself. So let us, let's, let's begin. Let's, let's begin. So the idea of the start is, I think we've actually spoken about very, very briefly. Um, and actually the main focus we spoke about very briefly is that the idea of D&D kind of being very, obviously very central to the show, but being very central to the show. Um, because one of the things we obviously know um, is that the D&D campaigns, for some reason, always seem to line up with what actually happens. Um, yeah. We saw it We saw it in season one. Um, we didn't really see a lot of D&D in season two. But I'm sure it would have been the same. And then season three, arguably, then it's exactly the same thing. Only it's Will that does it this time. But it's yeah. Mike's set, I believe. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. So, obviously, Mike is kind of the dungeon master of uh, the party. So he is the one that writes all the campaigns. And so the idea was, is that somehow Mike is unknowingly controlling how things are progressing through the series um yeah. bit outlandish but i i like it though like i d- i definitely think and i know we've spoken about this a little bit before um we actually spoke about it in our 
last podcast where we spoke about science camp in the sense that D&D is so integral to the plot of the show and obviously it is that they really love playing D&D and like it's something which is a big part to all of them but it also is really like you said the stories are the same and Mm. that's quite interesting that it would sort of emulate that and then also with um oh my god what was my point we said about how we there's that theory that it's going to get to the end of season five which we are presuming is the final season and it will be all a campaign and it's going to go back to that moment of them sat in the basement and I won't go into that because we've spoken about that a lot but that idea of of that which is not too far-fetched I think to imagine the idea that it is something which has kind of played itself out as a as a D&D campaign which mm. I think definitely comes under that and like you said Mike is always the dungeon master and whether you take the comics as completely canon content or if you take them sort of with a pinch of salt one of the big things in the D&D comic which is not finished yet at the time of us filming this and also the science camp comics which have just finished is that there is a big focus on Mike is the the, the DM all Mm. the time and the other characters are like, I don't do this, you do this. Yeah. And this isn't this isn't my thing, this is Mike's thing. And it's that sort of hesitance to want to do it themselves. Hmm. And be like, no, Mike has to do it. This is, I can't, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how Mike does it. And there's yeah. such, such a big focus on him and, and how he sort of creates these campaigns. And even using... D&D terms for the monsters that we face you know like mm. the demogorgon in the show is an, an actual demogorgon no. and, like that's not what what an actual demogorgon from D&D looks like but mm. they call it a demogorgon we don't we don't actually know what the names of the the villains in Stranger Things are called because actually, they, yeah that's a real point the... we don't know we've just been no. they've just been given D&D names hmm yeah. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I never thought of that. We actually do not know. We don't know what no, they actually we don't know are. What, no, we don't know what an actual demogorgon is. It's called a demogorgon, but the the actual if you're watching on YouTube, well, I'll put up a picture of what the D&D demogorgon looks like, but it's not it's not mm. the demogorgon from the show. No, so, like even in season 2 with the Mind Flayer, even before that, I'm going to presume it wasn't actually called the Shadow Monster. No. And like even that that's a name that Will gave to it. And yeah, from we don't even know what that actually is. Yeah. yeah, and it's from the yeah from the Veil of Shadows, which is a realm. Yeah, well there um, you go. But but they do this with everything. Like I know this isn't D and D, but Mirkwood is called Mirkwood hmm. because they made it up. Like they yeah. have made up so many aspects of Hawkins, hmm. or put aspects of Hawkins within a fictional reality hmm. even the upside down like it isn't actually called the upside down it, well i think it yeah. is now but for the longest time it was called the nether the yeah yeah nether yeah but, yeah so they make that up and most of the time it's mike that is the one that makes it up apart from actually I'm aside from aside finish. from will and aside from the mind flex i believe it's dustin isn't it he looks through the book yes it yeah. is no you're right apart yes, from that is. But on the whole, <laughs> it's mine. It's mine. Trust, as I, as I said, this theory is old. It's outlandish. We're rolling with it because I, we had a yeah. discussion. We were like, actually, we could probably make a podcast out of it. And and there we go. We're all about the, implicating ourselves today. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Let's continue. So why Mike? You may be asking. So the argument for this at first was that he's very central to all the characters within the show. Like, arguably, we yeah. could say that he's the lead boy, or at least was for season one and arguably two. I know that it was very much a will focus, but Mike was always there. Um, but when you think about, like, obviously, he's the de facto leader of the party. He has the links to L. He has the links to Will. And to be honest, for Ralph, season one two and three now actually i feel like as an audience we're 
we are following him. Like, yeah. I know obviously we have the different subplots, but in general, the seasons open and close with him, which he to is... me seems like he's meant to be the lead, essentially. Yeah. I know that a lot he's of people see that obviously one... L, the main character, but he feels like he feels like he's yeah. the lead for some reason. Well, him being the dungeon master suggests that as well, but also mm. he's sort of the one. He was friends with Will before he was friends with anyone else, and then mm. he, um, when in season one, when Dustin says about best friends, you know, I came in late. Mm. Um, and you were friends with them first it's almost mm. like they were all Mike's friends so then they all came together to become each other's friends and Mike is the one that takes Ellen and looks after Elle and won't do the won't go and tell his parents or you know mm. or he's going to and then he realises I, I can't do this and doesn't mm. want to listen and he's the one that sort of has the main driving force to want to find Will and it's not that Justin and Lucas don't want to find Will but he's mm. more like we have to go and do this um, I will give it to I will give it to Lucas though. In fairness to Lucas, he is very much like, if you're not going to be so focused, if you're going to be so focused on her, that I'm going to go and do it all myself. So I will give yeah. that to Lucas. He also is, but I think we've discussed Mike and Lucas before that they kind of are yeah. each other's counterpart. Like they're so similar, I think, in a sense, yeah. but in slightly different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Mike family is also the only family who have a lot of their own plot lines as well mm. so yeah. like i mean uh and the buyers yeah but other than that mm. like mr and mrs sinclair don't even have first names <laughs> um claudia henderson Erica... is comic relief Claudia Henderson is comic relief and we don't ever have a storyline which follows Claudia Henderson outside of her own house when Dustin is involved. Yeah. Erica only started to get more screen time in season three. Yeah. And I guess like we don't see Ted as much, but like Karen has entire subplots. Even mm -hmm. Holly has been like a discussion topic and mm. has does Holly have some kind of Hmm. tie somehow because of what she saw in season one in the buyer's house um and then obviously nancy has a big storyline and i know obviously yeah jonathan does and so does joyce hmm. but out of you know but obviously will has these massive ties to everything anyway so that makes sense but hmm. out of like dustin lucas and mike why it makes sense that will's family has more screen time yeah but why Mike's rather than Dustin's or Lucas's. Yeah, exactly. Why does Mike's mm. whole family get first named, like whole plot subplots, like all of it? Hmm. What is interesting as well in the world's turned upside down book, the only two families he actually really mentions are the Byers and the Wheelers, and there's mm -hmm. comparisons throughout between the two. And I think we actually will probably talk about this, like talk about the parents and stuff like that on a podcast at another point. Because um, I think yeah. it was something that was sent to us actually on Tumblr as well. But I think it's going to be something that will be worth actually talking about. Because I think there's more that we can say rather than actually write it down in a text post. <laughs> so yeah. please look out for that. Um, yeah, so I think it is really interesting that that has kind of been set in place from the very beginning. Yeah. So it, yeah. So <laughs> long story short, it feels like the Wheelers and Mike are kind of like, our main family i guess yes. that's and what it feels like to me anyway okay so. forgetting about the bias for the moment i can't <laughs> believe i even said that it's because it's a mic podcast today we've gone back to my roots i oh. said hoppers and you said forget about the bias are we already comparing are we already conjoining them i mean they, yeah. i guess technically they are now i guess else. that's what that's what i thought we were doing i thought we we're just going the buyer hoppers like a, yeah no obviously like yeah yeah like Thanks. my little like dropper heart just ignored that and i was still seeing them as two separate households look at that i'm disappointed in myself so am i yeah but yeah <laughs> anyway. the, the the via hopper family that's understandable that makes its own sense yeah. whereas why the Wheelers, other than the Sinclairs or the Hendersons? 
it doesn't make any sense. So obviously we said about the links to it, it's obviously Elle, Will, and actually Mike's main plots in season one, two, and three are so focused around them. Yeah. Like season one, it's, as you said, like it's finding Will and then it's looking after Elle and keeping her safe. In season two, it's finding out what's going on with Will and calling Elle every night until Will nearly kills everyone in a hospital. Um, <laughs> and then it's season three, we're then back to Elle. So yeah. he's at the centre of all these three storylines. And actually, if you, even if you look at the posters, I think he's pretty central in everyone as well. Like, yeah, he's he pretty is. much in the centre. And I, apart from the season three, when I think he's... No, he is. He, he is centre, isn't he? It's him, and it's, it's him and Elle. It's him and L. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, yeah. So he's very, very central to all their plots. And what we noticed as well, actually, is that there are moments that he's... This is where it came from, really. There are things he says that arguably give information to what could be the antagonists. So one headcanon that I have, and I think I've spoken about this a few times, is that I kind of love the idea that the reason the Mind Flayer knew to use Will as a spy is because Mike told him. Yeah, um, absolutely. I am obsessed with that idea. If I have any headcanons to do with the show, it is that one. Yeah. So obviously, we all know what moment I'm talking about, but there's a moment when they're sitting in Will's room I think, yeah, it's either when he just wakes up or he's just gone and knocked on the door from school and was like, is this about the shadow monster? And is speaking yeah. to Joyce. It's one of those moments. And there's a moment, well, obviously, when they're sitting on the bed and Will's kind of talking through it. And he's like, I, I can't remember, it's like, it's like a feeling and it's, I just, I just know all the time or something along those lines. And... Yeah. Mike says something about, well, maybe you can spy back and something like that. And I don't think spying had been mentioned before that or something like that. Maybe you can be like a super spy. You can know what he's doing all the time. And Wills makes a comment. Wills? <laughs> or nickname terms. Uh, Will makes a comment. <laughs> Will makes a comment about how, what if he, what if he spies back? And Mike said, we won't let him, which <laughs> complete outlandish theory that I won't let him could mean, or we won't let him could mean various different things. Um, and we'll go from there. Um, and also we were just talking as well about there's that moment in season three um, when he knows that Max needs to get away from the door. I find this really yeah. weird. Like, I I don't know. I think I might have mentioned this like when I watched season three, um, like because I did a whole watch Shalom vlog, um, <laughs> cheeky plug on my YouTube channel, <laughs> Ren on the Road, um, and I'm sure I don't know if I kept it in in the end, but I am sure I remember thinking or saying that's weird because mm. he doesn't. Will doesn't say anything to him. Will doesn't say she needs to get away or like the mind flayer or he's like he doesn't say anything mike just looks at him they just share mm. a look will does say he's activated but then even then mike still looks before that yeah yeah he still he still figures it out early yeah he still he still knows before he should arguably know hmm because then he has that get away from the door and it's quiet yeah. yeah and then they're like what and then he shouts like it's a weird moment because it's not quite like and also what's weird hmm. about that whole scene is how did Mike know that he's activated meant he'd be able to break the door down because yeah, that's the point, actually. If Mike knows that he was not strong enough to withhold those restraints, hmm. why did he put him in there in the first place? And why did they not all get away? <laughs> but this Just is leave the him in the so sauna why... to heat up. Yeah, this is the thing. Why did if Mike if if all Will has to say is he's activated, 
Hmm. And just share a look. Why hmm. is that enough for Mike to be like, he's going to break this door down? Why does Mike know that that's what he's going to do? Hmm. Because that's not enough information for my no. liking. That, for me, sounds a bit suspicious. That hmm. he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Hmm. Because surely you'd come up with different restraints if you thought he'd be able to break the restraint you had. Hmm. Arguably as well, you could... I mean, this is definitely a reach, but if, if we're thinking in this theory, it also makes sense. Um, the whole kind of plot line with Elle and not wanting her to do things and yeah. that kind of thing as well. Um, because if he is all dark... Um, why would he want her to do anything? I'm also aware that that is, as I said, completely... We're, we're talking in the realm of outlandish theory. That is definitely yeah. not the case. And it also, was, yeah. we did talk about the idea that Mike doesn't know he's doing it. Yeah, exactly. Which, it can apply in that sense. I don't think Mike would know. Like, if something is no. going on, he's not going to on some conscious level, know this is happening. And this is something we've spoken about with Victor Krill, actually, and yeah, even with Elle, that the idea that something is going on and they don't know it's going on and it's kind of really out of their control. Yeah, we, we've briefly touched upon that on our Tumblr, actually, in, in a response to Elle in season four, is that the bite um, does the bite that she gets at the end of season three, is that going to be something where it plays a part in her life in season four, but slowly and without her fully knowing, mm. um, which is which is an interesting theory. But, I can see So it. we went on that on our mm. Tumblr, so you can, you can go look at that on there. But... Um, but yeah, the, the idea that he's doing it slightly subconsciously, so he's making the decisions, thinking that that's a decision, but it's almost like there's two parts of him in there, the part that has this sort of dark mm. element and the part that wants to help, and it's sort of almost as if like one comes out and then the other one can come out, and it's quite, mm. it's quite a tricky sort of situation because he never directly does anything that puts anyone in danger. No. But it's just weird comments and knowing things before he should know them. And mm. like you said, sort of giving information to the mind flayer. Mm. Um, and like he came up with the sauna test. He was the mm. one that came up with that. Mm. He took the lead on that and made that whole situation a thing. So then he does that. And then what? admits a few hours later that it's not going to be strong enough hmm. well there we go there we absolutely Weird. go yeah Weird. there's just a few things even like in season one i know it's will that says the, the demigod the demigod got me line but you know it was still you know it was his campaign he was the one yeah. that put the demigod in the campaign mm-hmm. and what do, what is it you? symbolic is it yeah. like the demogorgon it got me but it's symbolic for mike's campaign got him mike's campaign got him in the game so the demogorgon yeah. gets him in real life and we've mm. said a lot about how the light flickers there and i mm. have a theory i stand by my theory that will has powers that have something to do with electricity and i do want to do a whole podcast on that because i think that's quite a big thing um or or has a lot of potential but Hmm. um what if it was never will that made the light flicker what if it was the part of the demogorgon that was in mike (laughs) so it's absolutely crazy but (laughs) but like this is this is all this is what we do it's we were asked about actual outlandish theories so we are providing i guess the discussion is where did it come from? That would it makes be the sense only that it would be in where yeah, it makes sense that it could be in L. It makes sense that it could be in Will. Hmm. Why Mike? Well, I think this actually I've I've just thought of this. This could certainly be interesting then with the Hellfire Club. 
in yes, season Yes, I was thinking four. this. Yes. yes. Absolutely. We're gonna, yes. Yeah. We're going to presume that it's going to be like the height of the satanic panic and that will be raised on some level and uh, we well, obviously we've spoken about this on previous podcasts well we spoke about one podcast and it's kind of cropped up in little little pieces throughout um but obviously that's the idea that it was seen as this evil game and by playing D, you were summoning demons and it was a danger to your kids and everything like that which we know is well as far as we know um <laughs> is definitely not true um we but... have a whole podcast on that. It's really interesting. It was like a real thing of the 1980s. And um, like people genuinely thought that playing D&D meant that you were evil incarnate. Um, mm. So if you are interested in hearing about the satanic panic of the 1980s, we have a whole podcast on it. But um, genuinely like a real thing. And there's a whole organisation that's like against D&D. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see um, if that is in it in some Mm. manner of Mm. things. We know Dustin is part Mm. of it. It'll be interesting to know if other members members of the party are also (laughs) involved. That would be really nice and I'd love some real confirmation on that matter. Yeah. Please. I would like... um... I would like real confirmation on that matter as well, so that we can legally talk about it. That would be uh, really good. Uh, we can legally, we can legally talk about what? Um, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Neither do I. I we've don't seen nothing. Anyway. No, absolutely um, not. <laughs> right, moving swiftly on. But speaking that, of D and D. Speak exactly. Speaking of D and D, this is where um, the theory got a bit deep because we didn't exactly just stop. I'm I'm bringing you into this. I'm sorry now. No, but, um, no, but this is this is like the whole thing. Like I remember doing. Like we, you started talking about this theory. I fully remember it. And what I love about this as well is that this was like early-ish days of our friendship. Yeah. Like, and I just love that we. I mean, we've known each other for probably like a year at this point, but not mm. suit like not the way we know each other now, and. Yeah. I just love that one of the first things we like dove into was this whole theory and I remember you talking about it and then I remember like going on this absolute deep dive of this mm. particular D&D theory mm. and uh what what this meant so you can fully bring me into this because I I remember where I was I was like literally sat on my bed scribbling notes into a notebook like why on earth did you not like tap out as soon as I send you like okay <laughs> so I've got a theory <laughs> Mike Wheel is evil <laughs> like you know for lockdown reported yeah um anyway right where were where were we yes so we went into D&D law anti-paladin dark paladin Mike Wheeler so obviously Mike plays a paladin within the show and that is lawful good and essentially the idea that you have to go through your life as a paladin in a certain way and you can never stray from your path um i believe you have to move you have to go from cleric to paladin it's something like that i think so yeah um which of course we know that i think cleric is in general true neutral because it can also go either way which we've also Mm -hmm. spoken about with will which is very interesting and you know, but another time. It's it's Mike's time to shine. We're going back There's to There's also Mike a whole Wheeler podcast roots. about but we there was a whole podcast we did a whole podcast on their D and D characteristics, which was really fun. Because I did. started playing D and D at the end of last year, so this is really exciting to me. So you can go mm. listen to that podcast. Listen to all of our podcasts is basically the point of this podcast. <laughs> this is just a plug. Um listen For to us. Every episode we've ever done. But like this kind of, like, I, I can't say the word. You know what I mean? The culmin, culminate, culmination. Culmination. It's the culmination. This of is those the. Points. This is where all the podcasts come to die. <laughs> this one right here. Anyway, so yeah, a paladin has to be lawful good, and it has to follow that path. Yeah. Which led us very interestingly, then 
to the idea then that there is an anti-paladin or a dark paladin. Which is a and real this is thing. It's a real thing within yeah. D&D. It is. Um, so this one does the flip of it where it is lawful evil. And I believe, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of similar to lawful good that you know what's right and you follow that. But lawful evil, and I think actually the Maya Flayer is lawful evil, wasn't it? Yes, like yeah. is lawful evil. Is a, they're both, it's both the idea that they're doing what they think is right, but... Yeah for completely different reasons and yeah, yeah. so and anyway for a completely different outcome exactly that i think it was more was it lawful evil was more for your own gain and it's kind of that more yeah. selfish i'm doing this because i have to and i'm doing it because i know it's right but it's for me whereas lawful good is more kind of something that i'm doing this because i have to because it's right and it's good for me but also the greater good greater good yeah yeah um so the anti-paladin um see i remember completely like out of context i remember explaining this to one of the people at my youth theater um because that's what i do i teach youth theater and then i go into the group of 13 to 14 year olds and just say to them hi i've had a bit too much spare time and i've been thinking about how mike wheel is evil um (laughs) and if they only so they thought it was a really good theory so i feel like if i can impress 13 to 14 year olds i can impress absolutely anyone with what i say my... it's a hard demographic no but genuinely like there's also a tangent but i um also used to teach and i taught from like a huge range of kids but the teenagers were always the best ones um because like i said whenever they talk about stranger things you'd be like this is an entirely different like audience that i'm used to talking to about stranger things Hmm. like give me your opinions please like this is really interesting and um having those discussions were really really great my like gcse group that i used to teach um you know i did actually do teaching but i remember one of the kids one time for about 20 minutes he was just like so i finished season three um and here's all my thoughts and um yeah it was literally about 20 minutes of just season three discussion so i feel that that's a mood um and i just would like to clarify that we we can do our jobs um we just like to make it fun by talking about strange things obviously because of course well what else what else would you do um so yeah the idea of the anti-paladin was and I just need to flip my iPad because the notes have I've decided to write it in the most awkward way and written upwards. Um so they essentially put on like a facade and paint themselves as this hero and but actually they're not <laughs> No. And putting that on around people that they know yeah um which yeah which is yeah like we could if we take that season two example again when mike is very much like maybe you can become a super spy and you can spy on them um that that's kind of doing that there that would be kind of more selfish if you are believing the theory that is kind of selfish for his own gains and there we go but also this is something that we just discovered, which turns the theory completely, however, on its head. And that is the idea mm-hmm. that most anti-paladins are abducted as children. Hmm. Or, or, so abducted as children, like during a, a raid, um, after a raid, and then they basically are raised by an anti-paladin order and that is so Hmm. traumatic that then they continue to act in such a way or i found this really interesting in the sense that some anti-paladins who hail from particularly corrupt societies are forced into anti-paladin order by their parents to maintain the family reputation now very wheelery oh yeah a little bit very wheelery hmm like, if yeah. you think about it, we see, like, their voting preferences. Like, Karen is very, oh, her son's missing, let's go give Joyce a casserole. Nancy mm. says about how they stay in a loveless marriage for, like, reputation's sake. Mm. And very, 
very wheelery. Hmm. Um. I mean, that that's I don't have a point from that because I was talking about the abducted by children point. But actually, yes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Anyway, but, but no, yeah, I think I'll get back to that in a second. That is very wheelery. The idea of the abducted from children thing is very interesting. If we look at then L, and yes. could we then argue then that once again outlandish theory time? She's kind of like the opposite of Mike in a sense. Then oh, I thought of another one. I've just thought of another one. We'll get to it in a second. So this is in the context. So like what you're saying is like in the context of if we pretend that Mike isn't the anti paladin just for a minute. Yes. But Ellie. Yeah. So forget yeah. what what we've been talking about for half an hour and just pretend right now that like Mike isn't anti paladin and Ellie yeah. also works. Yes. Yeah, it works in that sense then, and yeah, that also of course gives light to the idea that is Elle could be like the evil within the show, and which is a bit of a popular the theory. Exactly, the bite. And I've got another point then to add to that, because we mentioned earlier, we're bringing him up. We're finally bringing him up. 38 Here minutes it, in. Ha- 38 minutes in. We've, we've, got, we've, got, we've got a will theory. Um, will buyers. Will buyers. So obviously, um, you to become a paladin, you have to be a cleric first. Um, and there are many will L parallels throughout the show. And... I like the uh, yeah. I, I see the face. This is this is a good theory, um, and the idea that they kind of work obviously in parallel to one another. When one is one place, the other is the other, etc. etc. There was also a very interesting moment on Beyond Strange Things season two, when I believe I can't remember who it was. Someone said, "Oh, maybe, maybe Will's like the evil L or something like that," and the Duff has had absolutely no comment and just stayed completely silent. Um, yeah. So and I'll believe it at that. <laughs> I really, really think that they are going to be parallels of each other. And I think I've definitely said this to you before. I think mm. I've mentioned this on the podcast maybe once. Um, but I, um, not too long ago, read um, Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials. Um, for the first time, I started to read it a few years ago and uh, didn't finish it um, just because it wasn't like my absolute fave. And then they did the TV show and Limoel Miranda is one of my favourite people on this planet and he is in the TV show. So I gave the books another go and the books are, the book I, I enjoyed them a lot more this time around. And they've been out for a really long time now, so I am going to spoil his dark materials just for a minute. Um, because I have to for this theory, because like this is where the theory comes from. Um, so I am sorry, um, but maybe just mute it for a minute or two if you don't want to hear the his dark material spoilers. Um, but Lyra and Will at the end of um, the third book end up uh, one in one universe, like with the door, and then. Like the only way to stop the, like, each sort of universe essentially getting and connecting and going wrong, um, is to be on either side and lock the door from their side, knowing that they will never be able to see the other one ever again because they have had to lock their door from each side, and it is heartbreaking. Um, and I have completely convinced myself that the end of Stranger Things season five is going to be Elle in the Upside Down and Will in Hawkins and the only way they can close that gate is if one of them is in the Upside Down and one of them is in the non-Upside Down, the right side up. Mm. Um, And that hurts me so much, but the concept that they work in parallels and that they are each other's like opposite especially because they never fully interact and it's like season one we have loads of l and the second will's back l's gone and then season two it's mostly will and then l's back but they don't really interact and then season three they barely speak to each other um but now they're like 
adopted siblings. <laughs> so like they have to be around each other all the time. And I just think weird stuff's gonna go down with that. I, I can't see, they're just very intertwined in mm. very peculiar ways. So yeah, him being like a different version, I can, mm. can definitely see it. And the theory really hurts me. Oh, absolutely. That it, it it's it pains, but also actually bringing Mike Wheeler back into his own podcast episode again. Podcast, yeah. Um, the Dolphin could still even work with those two. That as we kind of know mm-hmm. throughout, that they've been pulled and separated a lot. I think pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I know they're reunited in season two, but there is still something keeping them apart. He loses um, them in every season. He loses. He loses her in every season. Yeah, exactly. So, I I wouldn't be surprised if, on some level, then it's still applied in season five. Um, in some way, I just I don't know. I just can't see it ending happily. I think. I don't know. This is maybe just we're opinion. just really cynical. Like maybe maybe the series is actually going to be like a really nice end, and we're just being really cynical about this whole thing. Like, I think we've just so and going to die. They're going to be trapped. This, this yeah, is gonna they're going to be trapped in the upside down. Like this is going to this thing. Maybe we are just being really cynical, and actually it's going to be lovely. Um, but I've said or it maybe, before. I'll say it again. Maybe we are overanalyzing so much. <laughs> mm. Maybe that's exactly what we're doing. um, I've had no heart since the 26th of April 2019 um, when I had to watch a three-hour film that resulted in the death of my comfort character um, since I was 13 years old. Um, And then what I thought was going to be his wedding was then his funeral. Um, So I, I had to go through that. So since then, I don't trust anything. I don't. Tr- I do not trust anything. No. So I don't think this show is going to end happily because everything wants to hurt me always. Hmm. Mm. So, like, there you go. Arguably, season three is the happy ending they all deserve, in like a really tragic way. Because like the buyers yeah. are gone, they are going to kind of be. It's like it's a bittersweet thing. But yeah. like you have that moment. This is this might be an over analysis, but I think looking actually at the show itself, with the um, with the filming and Elle's kind of driving away, and she's got that sun on her face, which obviously yeah. from like a it could have just been a complete coincidence and really good timing on their part, but yes. um, that kind of you know it's sun. It symbolizes a kind of I'm I'm moving on. I'm happy kind of thing yeah. and obviously I know that we have the shot where they're all quite unhappy as the buyers have now left but they're all driving on but there would still be kind of a sense of life moves on so that kind yeah. of is that kind of happy ending and yeah. I just think it's gonna get worse for everyone <laughs> there we are. anyway back to Mike because I don't think we have much more we can say um really and ultimately then like because obviously this was made pre-season three so I then had in my mind this big idea that Mike was going to be a bit of a target then because he's got so many connections to everyone that there's so much going on that I couldn't see a way that he wouldn't be taking it back to death, I guess, then. One of the potential big shock deaths within the show. And he wasn't touched. No, oh, he wasn't, was he? I mean, he got knocked out once, but still, not really. Once again, that could, of course, be we can't kill off our main characters yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but, um, Um, yeah. But there we go. I just would have thought, with everything in season three, or everything from season one and two, rather, in season three, he would have been in trouble. And, like, and I get why Elle was in season three because she closed the gate but then yeah. i feel like the mind flayer knows who mike is because will spoke through the mind flayer i was like that's my friend mike, mike. and in such a weird tone um oh yeah oh my god that was like absolutely the mind flayer saying that and it's really weird to me 
that the Mind Flayer knew, like, Mike's name. Hmm. But, like, no one else's. No. And, like, I think that's been kind of argued by some people saying that he was... He was around Will the most um, throughout that season. Um, but didn't know Hopper. May I introduce you to Joyce Byers, ladies and gentlemen? I mean... In fairness, though, in he fairness... Does, he does say my mum. Reluctantly, but also, she wasn't asked in that moment. <laughs> no. It was very much Mike and Hopper, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was Mike and Hopper. So I think, yeah, there's the argument that because he was around the most for that, that it would just something that he picked up and was like, okay, I know who this person is. This is This must be a friend. And yeah. his name is Mike, that kind of thing, which makes sense. But also, I don't want to look at it like that. <laughs> and I want to look at it from, for the sake of an outlandish theory, look at it from the perspective. There is a reason that he's being kept alive. And that, my podcast friends, is my outlandish theory about how Mike Wheeler is evil. <laughs> and potentially doesn't know it yet. Yeah. And how that theory could definitely tie in to season four. It absolutely Um, could not, but flatter me, continue, please. No, but only (laughs) if, theoretically, we had seen things, but for legal purposes, we haven't Mm. seen anything. Mm. So it might not tie into season four um but theoretically theoretically if things were seen it could potentially tie in emily we predicted will the wise like we 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 think things are outlandish and then they come true so i mean this we, is... we predicted the purple like like we we said it would be a purple cape with a pointy hat with with stars. Like, we predicted that outfit. Mm. And it was right. Somehow, though, somehow I feel this might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> somehow. But, Catch you know, us in the year 2025 when season four is finally released. There we go. I mean, we'll see. I think there's elements of it that, like, I say it's outlandish, but I, I'm low-key proud of myself for coming up with it. It's a good theory. I like it, it is. a lot. Yeah. And I, feel I mean, I've, 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 yeah. I wouldn't have added to it over these years and yeah. discussed it with you if I didn't think it had some, like, merit of discussion. So yeah. it, it's think, cool. Yeah. It's a good one. And I think there's elements of it that, you know, it, it can still apply to things, as we said, with Victor Krill, arguably with potential elf storylines in season four um so maybe i picked up something from somewhere who 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 knows that's what i'll be telling myself when i'm like a tiny bit a tiny bit correct yeah but there we go um yeah we'd love to hear thoughts on this this would be a really good discussion a discussion point so come follow us on our social medias um and hang out with us there and please please discuss with us um (laughs) But also I, absolutely I, I, be kind about it. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. yeah. That I, I, hey, your it theory was a few years sucks. <laughs> it was a few years ago. It was pre-lockdown, so I don't even have an excuse. It was like but, pre, pre, yeah. pre-lockdown. This was like the like this was no. This was like normal life was a, a pure thing. So, uh, here is here here we are after wrapping up this video and well episode. We said goodbye. I got all of the Instagram social media conversation right, so I'm not saying it again. Um, but here we are, approximately an hour after we uh, finished filming, um, with um, the entire theory. We we found it after an entirety mm-hmm. thing of scrolling. Um, Literally, for the mm-hmm. entire episode, I'm just scrolling up. Um, right yeah. at the last minute, I, of course, find it. So, 
Yeah. This conversation was from January, uh, the 22nd of January, 2018. So at that point, we'd been friends like a month. <laughs> and I chime in. Well, well, yeah. Because the thing, the, thing the thing with me and Emily's friendship is we won't get to like too much into it. But um, we met in, what was it, like May? May yeah. 2017? Yeah. Um, and we were like acquaintances. Mm. And then at the end of December 2017... Uh, like that same year, I uh, popped up on uh, Twitter with a I have a spare Funko Pop. Do you want it? Mm. Um, and that was sort of the the real proper start, I would say, of our friendship. Mm. Um, so yeah, so we hadn't even hadn't even been friends a month. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I will include the screenshots of bits of the conversation. Oh my gosh, it's like um, a, it's like a snapshot into our past. <laughs> I know. Look at that. Cute. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so we'll we'll do that. Um, so literally, yeah, we hadn't been talking a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, hmm. It hadn't even been a month no. uh, since it was like, okay, DMs are a thing we can do. Yeah. So it kind of it started with we were kind of talking about Dustin a little bit, and we're like, um, well, maybe Dustin has this connection thing. Um, which we'll get into another time because we were like, yeah, where did that come from? What? So we said because he's the intelligent one, essentially. As you do, we just pop that in there. Intelligent must be. They're evil. all smart though. Like they're all smart. I don't. I don't even know. But what's also interesting is that you said I'd love him to whack out this amazing scientific theory in season three. That would be amazing. What screenshot that as well? <laughs> Did I predict Cerebro? Did I predict the Russian transmission? Well, there we go. There we absolutely... There we absolutely go. Um, and then you were like, I'm theorising about Dustin and how we didn't grow up in Hawkins and move thereafter. And then I chime in with, I have a solid theory for Mike. And you were like, what's the Mike theory? And and this uh, and this was it. So I opened with simply this could be a bit fanficy, as we are now fully aware. It's quite fanficy. Um, I guess these um, I guess these things could be because you consider because you know you consider him the lead kid, as we've said. And said so, so first of all, Mike is the dungeon master, right? He's in control of everything that happens in their games, meaning that he technically set the the demogorgon on will. And Will tells Mike what he rolled, and after you know what happens later that night, the Demogorgon got him. Um, and then continue, I said the Mike L thing. Uh, first of all, was it coincidence that he and his friends found her? Probably not. They've got that connection throughout. He calls her 353 days, and he can feel that she's there. And there's this theory of Elle and the Demogorgon having a connection, so if we tie it all together... There we go. I said, and also a lot of things happen to happen around Mike. So everyone calls out for him on the upside down. We forgot to mention that an hour ago, though. But they do. I remember yep. that now. I was very they proud do. of realising that. They do. Um, Will recognises Mike, um, but doesn't know Hopper or his mum's boyfriend, who we really got along with. Um, and I said, and also, right, there's a funny story behind the rubbish weapons that Mike holds. So... For example, they're given like guns and bats, and yet Mike picks up a candlestick, which yes, so it's like he he doesn't want to actually fight. No, there you go. Which I mean, of course, I think now we know that it's simply they wanted to give him something to hold, but you know, deep dive, he he never probably fights it. And you were like, oh well, oh well, imagine what a twist. Wouldn't it be? I don't know why you're speaking like this oh, in my voice, but you're like, wouldn't it be so a plot dramatic. twist? You turn out to have this massive connection this entire time. And, like, maybe it's not a good connection. Well, if there's something in the game that they play that sets off in real life. And I was like, I wish I never thought of it because I can't unsee it. Like, the full drama, capital letters, uh, conversations were. I said, right, it really would be. I said, and if we think back to the sacrifice theory we said a while back. We had a sacrifice theory? Another time, another episode. <laughs> a while back? <laughs> when was this? Two weeks ago, we had a sacrifice theory. <laughs> Um, it could kind of tie into that good... Oh, okay. I think this is the idea that I always said probably about Mike dying. For someone at the time, I was very much like, Mike's my favourite character. I would defend Mike with my life. And I was like, yeah, he's going to die. Um, and we said it could tie into the idea that he, at the end, says goodbye, L. And then I dramatically said, oh, my heart. Because, you know, whatever. 
Um, and then this kind of fits with the end of the game in season one too. The creature's dead. And it might be interesting to look at the characters they gave themselves as well. And I quoted Urban Dictionary, yes. the reliable source. But I said, but if we take this so that what the paladin is, um, and they are riding, you know, they're devoted to oh, riding is ridding. Um, they are devoted to kindness and ridding the universe of evil. They're real religious, have a extremely strict honor code and a soft spot for children and animals. In combat, a paladin without a cause is almost impossible to defeat. Paladins fear nothing, for evil fears them. A paladin with a cause is almost impossible to defeat. I said that as well. And then also an article in July 1980, I told you this theory was deep. July 1980, issue 39 of, Dun of Dragon Magazine introduced a non-player character called, which is the opposite of the paladin, which is the anti-paladin. And it says the anti-paladin represents everything that is mean, low and despicable in the human race. And you said, raise your hand if you can hear Dustin explaining this to Hopper and Steve. <laughs> like yeah no, but like i still can like oh, yeah. i literally i can i can still hear that yeah. absolutely and then you said um i can see obviously how much they would enjoy this game you know how much the toughest enjoy it i can see how the link to the show is who wouldn't surprise me um and said especially that they made the point in season two to get mike to say which role all the characters had and he did do that um and yes i said and it was obviously to get max to go away but he's obviously very much like, no, she doesn't have a role. Like, this doesn't happen. Like, there is no Zuma. There's no such thing as a Zuma. Because it doesn't fit with his rhetoric of how things have to work. And then you said, I'm trying to see if there's a way to defeat the anti-paladin if it involves a mage. Um, but I don't think we ever found it because we never actually spoke about it. Um, and then you said also Dark ran away when Mike held him. <gasps> yeah. And then I was like, oh Look my god. Look at me. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh my god. 2018 me. But, oh, he did. It's like, it was specifically Mike. I want them to go down the route too. I'd love them to go down. It's a really, really unexpected route. They need to shake things up big next season. Even if it was that Mike was good paladin, something switched makes it anti paladin. I said, I said, there's something also about if the paladin does something wrong, he has to confer with the cleric. And then you said in capital letters, that's Will. And I just go, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and you were like, it'd be so interesting. So why haven't they hired us as writers yet? I was like, we'll just act the writers. The Duffers will love us. We literally still say that, though. Like, mm. I just genuinely think we should be taken mm. on as, like, consultants. And I, yeah. And I think the final the point, show. from what I can find, because I think after that we kind of just were like, oh, we're thinking about this all the time, um, was that I said, also, if we want to go really meta... Every breath you take is an interesting song to an an analyze. Yeah. Which obviously we know as the mind flayer kind of looking over them in the hall. And I'm presuming that it's from the mind flayer's perspective, but also the fact that they dance to every breath, they dance to every breath you take. And yeah. a lot of people analyse the lyrics at certain points for anyway. And it's just very... Every Breath You Take is a weird song. Oh, it is. It's a weird song. It's, it's, a, it's a creepy song. It's a stalker song, isn't it? It is. It's, it's like, yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. And that is our Mike theory. Blood. The blood. Oh, yes. The and blood. The blood. Um, with the... Mike knows that it's attracted by blood and this is something that actually he shouldn't know. No, at that point. There is no way he should know that because Yeah. They wouldn't he wouldn't have known it from Will. And even then, with Will going missing, there was no blood, even if he'd overheard that. He wouldn't couldn't yeah. have known it from Barb. And nope. he just knows that it's blood that draws that draws it near. And that mm -hmm. is the Mike theory. So now back to past us, who perfectly and flawlessly wrapped up this episode. Thank you for listening to, yeah, to episode us ramble. 25. Episode 25, 25. of the Hawkins. Yeah. Episode 25 of the Hawkins Dean Coffee Podcast. Where can you catch us? You get to it a second you time. Yes, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Hawkins Podcast and also on YouTube which is Hawkins Do You Copy and Tumblr which is hawkinsdoyoucopy.tumblr.com. Yeah, thank you for listening everyone and oh, I get to say it, over and out.